this is the hiring brief. While remote working allows business as usual operations to continue during challenging times, fully committing to our remote onboarding strategy could provide various advantages to your recruitment strategy in the long run. Today we chat with Javier Coca, a successful engineer country manager, about onboarding international talent. And in the process, we learn that the success or failure of onboarding new employees around the world centers in one thing, how well you integrate and include them within the organization. In that sense, he outlined four key points to keep in mind for a successful international employee onboarding process. Number one, setting and sharing specific role expectations. Number two, establishing and communicating fair company worldwide protocols and practices. Number three, giving everyone the same access to tools and resources. And number four, creating a welcoming culture of social support. So now let's listen to Javier interview with Jesus Lopez, CMO and co-founder at Coderslink. I mean, we talked about frameworks, we talked about management styles, but are there any you know, specific processes that you use that you've seen work for managing engineering teams, specific engineering teams? Yes, yes, I have some of some of the ones are very simple. I think most of the people do. Uh, I have found that 30, 60 and 90 day review is extremely good. Uh, there is you, you do sit down with, with each individual and just tell them like under 30 day review, 60 day review, 90 day review, if they are hitting the mark or not. And you go uh, in detail on uh, code simplicity, um, amount of bugs, um, documentations, things like that. And you, and you don't have to grade them. You just have to say it's a, uh, it's satisfying or it's not satisfying. It's, it's under the expectation or, or, or it's below the expectations or above the expectations. And that way they, they're gonna be modifying, especially the, the first 30, 60 days, people are very excited because they're new to the company. So they really yeah. want to understand what the company is about. Uh, so by the 90 day mark, they should be on, everything should be uh, above expectations. That means that this person is gonna be good. Nothing's perfect, obviously something can happen down the road, but it's it's more prone to be better. Uh, the body system, uh, the body system is something that I learned in a company I worked in the North Carolina. They usually assign you a person of the team that is gonna be shadowing you in everything that you do. So that any question that you have, you can you know who to turn to, to ask for. Uh, from simple things like where's the coffee in the bathroom, to where's the code, what's, what's the name of the repository, do I create a, a local image or everything has to be done remote, uh, or is the, every, every company has their, their best practice uh, Dropbox paper or, or Google Sheet or whatever, where is that information, where I can get it. Uh, I want to ask for vacations, do you think it's too early? Is the manager approachable or not approachable? The body will be the person that will hand you over all the information in a very simple way. I have seen it work very nicely, but I do have seen it go a little bit south if that if the body in that specific moment is distracted. I, one person was, uh, his wife was uh, pregnant and it was a high-risk pregnancy, so he was very, very distracted. Uh, so he was the body of this new hire and the hire was 
not completely neglected, but he was, he didn't know who to turn to to ask for questions. The third one is uh, pair programming. I, I see that for a lot of people, it's very uncomfortable. And it's not because you're sitting next to each other, because most of the time you don't sit, sit to next, next to each other. You just share your screen. But people feel that they're just looking into what you do. And some people do go to Stack Overflow, copy paste something similar, and then start modifying it. That's, that's, that's okay as long as the final product is good. So they feel a little bit uh, monitor, like a big brother monitor. Uh, but at the same time, they also, especially if the peer that they are programming with, it's easy going. They will know that both. That's something that everybody everybody has done. Uh, you don't. There's nothing you have to feel ashamed of. Or if you copy paste a function and you just use it as a as a framework, it's okay. Uh, but most of the time, uh, those peers will let you know what are the things that they usually do that actually work. Instead of going to Stack Overflow, the, like the one that you Google. Uh, some companies have a local Stack Overflow where most of the questions are answered uh, inside of the company, so you can go there. Or uh, if you are very used to BI or Emacs, that it's very old, uh, very, very, very old programming uh, environment, some other folks are going to tell you, no, 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 this one, this environment's much better because you can integrate A, B, and C and that. And some other folks will say, like, no, I love Notepad because you can write anywhere in the world. You didn't have to have an internet connection. So those, those little things only a peer can give you. Uh, then leaders code review. I found that at the beginning for the new folks, the leader should be doing the code review. Afterwards, and then, then you send it over to the team and everybody in the team will review it. But leaders usually are the ones that are more jealous about doing things right. So they will be very, very meticulous on you're not leaving enough space, the comments are off, uh, this, our standards are a camelback instead of a underscore. Little things that functioning things will function, but you're not using the, the, the code or the structure of the companies you should actually using. Or maybe that's unique to, the, to that team, but that person is gonna be on that team and he has to embrace the, the customs of the team. And finally, uh, QA sit down. I have found that to be extremely good. QA, depends on who does QA. If, if every single engineer does the, its own QA, that's, I would recommend not to do that, but some companies do that. Uh, then there's, there's, no, there's no one you, you have to sit down with. But if you have a proper QA team, QA would tell you what are the common things that they look for because they usually know that the team struggles on doing them. Uh, some teams are extremely good at presenting things very nicely uh, or following the, the, the happy path. But once you move away from the happy path, things are going to go south. And QA knows that. So they, they actually jump directly into, uh, let's do stress testing or let's, let's, let's do a million clicks on this one. They know, they know what the team usually uh, fails to pay attention to so they're gonna they're gonna see that it actually works. 
And if you see it, well, you're doing peer review with someone on the team. Then you're doing code review with someone on the team. So you now need an external advisor. So that fresh set of eyes let you see things that the other people are not going to see because they are part of the of, of, of that team, right? You need, a, you need another perspective. And QA usually gives you another perspective. I like and, that. Like, and finally, uh, I think also to, they, they should be able to speak freely with someone that is not on the organization. Okay. If it's an engineer, they should be able to approach or should have just a, a quick sit down uh, well, at least once a month with another manager from another division. Um, they will give, obviously, a completely different approach of everything. It's not going to be engineer-related, but it's going to be company-related. And most of the time, some of those folks also have to work in some sort with engineers, and they're going to complain about things, and they're going to say, please don't do this that engineers usually do. And, and that's, that's good feedback. That's a different feedback. And this person is going to grow. It's going to be a better engineer just because someone was able to tell that on an early stage rather than later. I can appreciate that, yeah, because I think that's, you know, being able to, in the, in, the, in the first stages of their engagement, to, to really sort of like, sort of like hand-holding. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it'll, it'll pay big dividends down the line. And I, I'm, a fair, I'm a firm believer that really investing time in those moments, in those two, maybe four weeks, I don't know, depending on the onboarding process that you know, each company has, spending that, a good amount of time there and be very mindful about that, it, it helps. It helps them feel welcome. It helps them feel part of the organization. It helps them understand what's going on. Because there, sometimes... And again, I don't want to be, I'm going to go back to remote work as well, but, you know, being the new guy and they usually don't ask. That's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. They don't ask. They're afraid to ask and having you know, these, these processes in place and maybe the documentation and maybe the, the, the essence of how they will be working really detailed will help that person, mm-hmm. you know, know where to turn to during those moments of uncertainty. And, and it's it's interesting and i guess for my next question is it's and this is my my second to last question <laughs> you know engaging with the engineering teams what's what practices do you do you use um, well first there there needs to be a complete trust on what we're doing and how things are doing. So most of the time I would say communication and transparency. There, we have to be, uh, in order for an engineer to trust you, you have to be able to deliver things, to commit to things and deliver to things. There's no way you can commit to things if no one is bringing to your attention anything. So that's communication. The trust is built upon delivering, but communication is the foundation. People have to be able to to approach you and to definitely bring something uh, that they, most of the time it's not going to be a big deal because they're just testing waters. Uh, and you should, as a manager, you should be able to say, yes, we can do this and I'm going to give it to you on a specific day. Uh, second, it's also 
okay to tell them it's okay to say no. You know, like some most of the times, especially for for new people arriving, they don't want to say no because they don't want to see be seen as someone that is uh, running away from work. They want to be the ones. It's the yes guy, right? Like, can you do this? Yes. Can you do that? Yes. Or or or, or junior managers are as well. Junior managers also tend to say yes to everything because they want to show that they can be that they are worth of the manager position. So we so embedding the culture of it's okay to say no. Just give me a proper reason. It's not because I don't want to. No, no, no. Has to be a reason. No, because this technology is obsolete. Because uh, down the road, in three months, we're going to have to change it because the framework is changing. Things like that make sense. Uh, but that starts on communication. And we have to be able to find the talent that it's, oh, it's well communicated. Or that you can see that they can communicate because when you ask them about something that they're passionate about, that doesn't really mean that they are explaining code. Um, for example, if someone is extremely passionate about uh, grilling, cooking, and you ask them about like, how do you put together the best steak in whole Texas? Uh, they're gonna, and they really flourish, like they really change the way that they, even the, the position they are sitting in, and they start really engaging. That's That means that they're just shy. They just they 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 have not been able to communicate with you because they see you as maybe an authority or someone that's going to judge them, or because they are the new guy and they don't want to show them their weaknesses. Then you know that you can you can foster a relationship of communication, and whenever you tear down that wall, this person is going to bring you everything that it's on their mind, and obviously he's going to grow. You're going to grow. The team's going to be better. And also, uh, undoubtedly, uh, engaging with engineers requires also uh, time. Meaning, I usually, this is something my wife doesn't like, but I'm usually <laughs> picking up the phone at whatever time, in the, at night, in the morning, whatever. I like to be there for them. Uh, it, as I told you, my wife doesn't like it because there's there's been times that they're, they're, they're out for drinks and they, they uh, two o'clock in the morning, they think it's a, it's a good idea for, for them to call me, to join them, whatever they are, because uh, it's not that late, you know? Uh, but some other times they do call me and say like something happened, this guy fell or our computer was stolen or I was in a car accident, stuff like that, that it's something that, that I do want to help them. Uh, so, uh, being available for them whenever they whenever they need at least well no it has to be consistent but at the beginning when, when you're creating the, the confidence you have to be there uh, maybe down there down the road you can let them know well right now it's not the best moment uh, because I'm not even in Guadalajara uh, but I can help you or, or, or ping this person or ping another person uh, but yes, at, at the beginning, you have to be available to them because they they need guidance. And that's why the body system usually works very well because instead of going to the manager, they will go with a peer that doesn't feel that conflict of of, of authority, but I'm I'm calling because I, I, I got in an accident, but it's three o'clock in the morning. I shouldn't, it's a Monday, I shouldn't be out. Like, you know, things like that. Yeah. Usually happen. <laughs> And it's always those things that, you know, as well, they also bring you together a team because you're, yes. 
you know, those things happen in some sort of work. And then when you, when we break that, that work boundary, it also becomes more of a, you feel more cohesive as teams, right? Yeah. And, you know, thinking about it, 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 it brings me back to, you know, I read the autobiography of Steve Jobs way back mm. in the day when it, mm. when it came out. But I remember very, very vividly reading the part where, where they, they had the small office and they were pirates of some sorts. I can't remember exactly the same mm. details of, the, of, of the, all the details of the story, but they were pirates. And then they would go and just sort of like uh, together and attack to, to say the other the other team that was in another location and that was sort of like their own mission and those brought them together and those made them you know be be more a team a cohesive team besides just so just writing code and just sending that code away releasing it so i i think it's part of the whole experience and and the fun of doing the work and the fun of being an engineering and the fun of building teams and and i've enjoyed a lot this conversation I think it's it, there's a lot of a lot of wisdom that 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 you've you've gathered over the years and that you you really bring to the table and you understand exactly how to move the pieces around of, of building an engineering team that that are very very insightful mm-hmm. and and I mean we're before before ending you know our our talk today I want to thank you for your time I want to thank you for for sharing this with us it's been like I said very insightful and. And I know that this this is going to help a lot of folks that are out there thinking about building remote teams or about the, uh, or or engineering teams or or just enhancing their engineering teams. Mm. And just to close off with one last question, you know, to those to those companies, might that be you know small, medium, or large, and to those engineering managers that are thinking about building teams, about the building teams elsewhere or building teams, you know, at a different location that where the HQ is, what would be your recommendation for them? Well, the first one is do so. There is no, there, there is not a single thing that you can do, but it's not going to work because you already done it. Um, uh, the intuition that gives you the idea of what the product is and how it's working. The, the, especially if you're talking to the CEO or the CTO, they already had the idea of, 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 of a great product. Or if you're working for a company that has a great product, a great, great features, uh, you already, you've already done the more complicated part that is putting that idea. Finding the talent to follow that idea is Ubiquitous. It has. It, it can happen anywhere. There is a lot of people and a lot of talent that can be accessed when you work remotely. When you allow them to work remotely, even in, even your own engineers that you already have now could be even more productive or happier. Either go back to their hometowns, uh, as long as they have a proper broadband, uh, they can work from there. And they can be effective and they can be close to family and friends and their traditions and stuff. And, and you're still going to keep the, the, the best part of them that is the engineering part. Uh, remote teams also reflect that you care about people. And most of the co- companies are people working together for a common goal. So people are the essence of the companies. If you care about people, people are going to care back to the company and everybody's going to win. So also allowing remote work will reflect on the human side of the company 
that is not only focused on, as we have all discussed, uh, of having a great exit or having a successful company or a, or, or unbelievable IPO or being the unicorn that everybody wants to be one. Uh, it also creates an environment that people will cherish to be a part of despite being successful or not. And that's that's usually that's usually what engineers are going to tell other engineers. They will tell like this technology is awesome, this this uh, this product is amazing. It's how could this guy uh, think about this? But what they will remember more is how you make them feel while working with them. I felt empowered. I was free to do things. I was able to poke holes in here. I screw up so many times that they didn't fire me. They helped me outgrow. I I had my better. Uh, my, my better ex- working experiences with these guys. That's, I think, the the things that are gonna make a lot of engineers say like, oh, maybe it's time to, to, to look at these guys and see if we can we can work together. There you have it. An effective and engaging onboarding process will help improve your employees' productivity by giving them a real sense of purpose. A really good onboarding process can also make them feel comfortable in their new surroundings. And if you're hiring global talent, I recommend you to get our free onboarding guide. Check the link in this episode's description or head over to coderslink.com. For now, this has been The Hiring Brief.